Hello, and welcome to the new Art of the Cut podcast, brought to you in partnership with Frame.io. My name is Steve Hallfish. I'm a feature film and documentary editor. For more than seven years, over 300 interviews, I've been speaking to my colleagues in film, TV, and docs about the art and craft of editing. Today, we're speaking with several of the editors from a Black Lady sketch show on HBO Max. The show's editors have been nominated for an Outstanding Picture Editing Award for Variety Programming. Supervising editor Daisha Broadway was an additional editor on the feature film The 40-Year-Old Version, which was also featured earlier this year on Art of the Cut. She's also cut the TV series Insecure, the TV special Between the World and Me, and other features, shorts, and TV shows. Stephanie Filo is originally from Sierra Leone, West Africa. She was a Peabody Award winner for her work on the documentary Surviving R. Kelly and an Emmy winner for her work on the documentary Separated. She was also nominated for an Emmy for her work on the documentary Aging Out. Jessica Hernandez has cut features like The Punk Singer and Brotherly Love and TV series like Imposters, Claws, and Self Made. If you're interested in reading this interview with visual support and clips and trailers, head on over to blog.frame.io, where there's a ton of great expert content for film professionals of all types. You guys got nominated for a specific episode. How did that get chosen? Was it by the editors or the producers? Or what made you think that is the show to, to nominate instead of any of the other shows in the series? This is Jessica talking. I think we all agreed that it was the the best episode. We all loved that episode. And I believe that the writers also submitted the exact same episode. And Mm -hmm. as far as all of us being on it, because they're small shorts that are all cut together, we all end up being credited on all the episodes. So that's nice for us. I think there was a point where we were trying to figure out which sketches were our favorites. If we were to submit sketches, which sketches would be the ones that we submitted. And that episode just happened to have, I think, everything that we suggested. Have any of you ever helped judge or do you vote on the Emmys yourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things when you are looking at other people's editing that makes it stand out for you that it was... Emmy worthy. For me, I think there's a combination. Sometimes there's a familiarity with the people themselves and I like them and vote for them. There's some of that, but I think I look for just a degree of difficulty and also the shows that I love. Like I adore Ted Lasso. I'm so thrilled that they're nominated. And yeah, I voted for AJ and yeah, it's like, I think it's a combination of voting for your favorite show and some of your favorite editors. Yeah. And sometimes the shows are so captivating when you're sitting watching them. I know Mayor of East Town, for example, I binged that in one day. A lot of that comes down to the editing and just how the story was put together. This is Daisha. Usually like the most watched shows get nominated because everyone was obsessed with it. Some people might pull the trigger on a vote, not thinking about necessarily the category that they're in. There was like a moment in the last three episodes of I May Destroy You where I walked away from those episodes like that editing was phenomenal. I don't I was like waiting for the credits to see who did it because I was like that the pacing of that, the emotion of that at the end, the rewinds, the alternate realities that could happen from this. There was so much good work in there that I just made a mental note while watching it. Like they deserve this, whoever this is. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about how each of you got 
on this show. All three of us have a background in reality TV. And I think that can translate to sketch and be helpful when it comes to cutting sketch. I remember meeting Robin and Lauren Ashley Smith and Dime Davis in my interview. And the three of us was clicking right away, like knowing what we thought of the sketches and what they should feel like. I think that's why I got hired. But I also think that it had to do with my background in reality and being able to cut something that wasn't that is scripted, but it's definitely different. The style is different. There's so much improv. There's so much to choose. What kind of notes or what kind of things did you talk about with those sketches that you saw? For me, I didn't see a script ahead of time. I had, over the years, I had worked with Daisha on different projects. And I think we had just developed like a working friendship, but also we're familiar with each other's work and she recommended me. And so going into that interview, it was just trying to explain the variety of different things that I'd worked on. And this show is very much different genres in each sketch. So I think that is something that I was kind of able to highlight in my interview and just say, look, I've done horror, I've done comedy, I've done this and I've done this. Comedy, I think, is so easy to mess up. And when you're working in reality, like Deja said, you're making stuff that's not, that doesn't exist. A lot of times you're like adding someone to a scene that's not there, or you're building a funny moment that never was intended to be funny. You're making a fight that never was a fight. I think that does lend itself really well to this style of show. Maybe Steph and I are in a similar boat as since we came on in season two. Not having a script wasn't an issue. We've seen season one, so we knew what the show was going to be. So it's a different conversation to have. But I was a fan, and so I could just discuss what I liked about it. And to Steph's point, I could discuss my resume and bounce across the spectrum. And I've worked in comedy, I've worked in drama, I've worked in horror, I've worked in reality, documentary. Since all these styles are incorporated depending on sketches' needs, it was a good fit. I'm wondering what the jump from news and documentary to comedy was like and what kind of muscles that you learned in documentary are helping you when you're cutting sketch. In my case, anyway, I find you never know at any given moment what tool in your toolbox you're going to use. Like for people starting out or wanting to get where we are, I I think a lot of it was I would hustle and take every indie feature, everything, because like reality wouldn't always satisfy me creatively. And I would take these other gigs to help fulfill that. But also it would just grow my resume. I did a lot of documentary, couldn't get arrested and scripted. And now that I'm in scripted, everybody loves that I have documentary experience. (laughs) Working in unscripted world definitely gives you like new ways to solve puzzles. Because ultimately what we're doing is telling stories. And sometimes you just don't necessarily have the footage to tell a story a certain way. And you just have to have different ways to figure out how to tell those. And yeah, I kind of did the same thing as Jess for anyone that's trying to make that jump. Like I know that I spent several years working on shorts or indie things that I, anything that I could find, just hoping that path of where preparedness and opportunity meet, that's so important because everything you work on builds your tool chest. Tell me about those choices of taking a short. Is that something that you chose yourself or is it something that an agent was helping you or guiding you to do? In my case, it came way before an agent. I think those were things that built to allow me to get to a place where I could get an agent. What else are the values of having an agent? I don't know as many showrunners as they do, right? So there could be shows I want to get to that they can submit me in a way that I could not personally. So for me, it's a lot about the exposure they can give me to new people. 
it helps me to focus on work a little bit more because there are things that I don't have to work on because my agent is working on it. I think when you're like really deep into a show and you're working 12 hour days and you're trying to get a cut out or we're trying to get it to lock, it's helpful to not have to answer a thousand questions about the next project or to negotiate things. It's definitely helpful to have someone looking out for that while you're in the trenches on some things. So sketches by their nature cover a wide ground genre wise. Do you ever think, oh, this is a specific genre or it's a takeoff on an idea. I'll watch what it's a takeoff on. There's one sketch called Last Supper, which is basically like three ladies at the kitty table at the Last Supper. But the theme that they were trying to go for was succession. And I was like, I've never seen succession. I don't know what that means. So I just went in and watched like a couple episodes of that to try to get the vibe. And ultimately, it's like there's just a ton of zooms and it's like handheld, almost reality-esque to watch. It took me like a little while to figure out what the tone was for that one. But definitely like watching clips and episodes was helpful. How much are you guys able to collect? collaborate with each other. I'm assuming that each one of you is taking a separate sketch, but then what? We would all do our sketches. Daisha is supervising editor. We would present them to her and she's like a conduit to Robin having been there season one. And so like she can guide us if she thinks we're off course. And we had started trying to show each other all of our sketches on Fridays and that kind of, we never got time <laughs> after it. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice while it lasted. It was. It was a nice um, thought. Yeah. <laughs> But we could, if we wanted to, if anybody wanted to watch anything, we would just go, hey, can you watch this really quick? And because we were in a shared project, it was easy to open up a bin and go, I'll watch it really quick and tell you what I think. Yeah, we had a Slack channel, so we harassed each other via Slack all day. Is the show traditionally scored? We had hemp stuff that we pulled because we knew what we wanted. And then Amanda would replace those things as well. Amanda Jones is the composer and she's amazing. Who decides who's going to cut which sketch? It's a free for all. It is a free for all. It's it's a free for all. It's like whoever's done just grabs the next one on the the list as they come in. Because I think it was part of the discussion initially. It was like, oh, Deja's the only returning editor, so she should just take all the sketches that came from season one. But then you look at the schedule, and also I wanted to see someone else's take on some of them as well. But I think it could be interesting to get a different perspective from a different editor. As long as the character remained the character, then it's fine if someone else cuts it. How are you deciding what the funniest line is? Because Adlib can take a sketch in a totally different direction. Their ad-libs are very funny. I, from the beginning, threw them in. I think that's the same for everybody here. I didn't feel like somebody would be concerned because I'm always like, you can pull them out. They know what the lines were that are there. So show them the surprising stuff. Yeah, I always just tried to figure out what the funniest iteration was, whether it's like a combination or like you just throw in as much improv as you can. I think that's the ultimate goal is to make a cut that's... (laughs) that makes people laugh. Black Table Talk, I was going to say, the sketch with Robin and Gabrielle Union was like 75% ad lib. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was a script. Most of that is in there still, but there was so much that they just went off of each other that we extended the credit squeeze that comes at the end of it just to get in more of the jokes. Robin and Gabrielle are actual like close friends. And so when they got on set, they just were riffing off of each other back and forth. And so I think initially I put in as much of it as I could and thought it was funny but then we have to cut back for time or if it just feels like the sketch is a little too long but it is like Steph said whichever one is the funniest one to me I'll put it in 
And then Robin will tell me I'm wrong. And she'll put the one that's actually the funniest one in there. (laughs) How do you watch dailies? Were you able to watch every single angle or did you put one take that was multi-cammed up and try to watch it all at once? I always watch them with all cameras running, but it's three cameras. It's not an excessive amount or anything. Yeah, same. Yeah, I do the same. I think I cut from the source monitor a lot more than I do stringing things out and then editing in there and then mark things that reactions that I thought were made on this camera, reactions on this camera. If this one's covering Ashley and this one's covering Gabrielle or something or Lacey's doing something funny in the background, just take those things out, mark them, throw them in a bin. Working on this show, you have to have a bin full of alts for every sketch because there is so much improv, but there's also just random things that happen that Robin or Lauren will remember that are just randomly happening in the in, like in the background or someone made this funny face. And so you try to pull as many different ways to end a sketch as possible. Yeah. Definitely had several endings to sketches just in a bin ready to go. Not all producers are versed in like how much you can do in editorial. So sometimes you're presenting them with options they aren't aware they have. Oh man, courtroom Kiki, season one, Issa Rae, constantly breaking. <laughs> It just could not hold in her laughs. At least two or three shots in there where it was like, oh, we can't use this because Issa broke. And I'm like, the camera's on sticks. We'll just split her and get her out of there. Tell me a little bit about getting into the business and how you guys were able to get some of the first jobs that you got. How did some of that happen? Mine was really weird. I was an assistant and my boss got all the dailies like back still when it was on VHS and they didn't like any of the trailers coming through. And I had an idea for a trailer, but I would play different VHSs with a stereo behind me. I had no idea how to edit. And I, I, I just had the hubris of like not knowing any better. And I told my boss I had an idea for one and they're like, I dare you go upstairs to the final cut system. And it took me probably like a month to cut something I could cut in an hour now, but they liked it and they aired it. And then I cut a few more and was like, I think I want to go be an editor. (laughs) I actually studied journalism because there wasn't really like a film option, but I always knew I wanted to get into film. And I was a professional dancer at the time. And when I came out to LA, I wanted to get into film, but I still was dancing. But I knocked on every possible door and just bugged as many people as I could because I didn't know anybody and got like a night assistant editing job. I think my first professional gig, I was a camera operator at a local TV station in San Bernardino because I was going to UC Riverside. I was a camp counselor at my uncle's camp and they came to do a video about the camp for the news station at San Bernardino. And so I was helping the guy set up the camera and doing all this stuff. And my brother is my biggest hype man. And he goes, she wants to do this. She wants to do stuff like this. She wants to be, she could do this. And then so I started talking to the guy and then he was like, come by the station. And I think that was my first gig. I made like nothing, but it was fun. And I was like, oh, so this is how this works. It was live TV. And I would have to like turn the camera and catch this person and catch this person. But then I didn't get like my first professional uh, editing gig until grad school. I got an internship at Bravo Digital and turned that into a per diem thing when I graduated. So they were cutting like paying me per cut for things. Everyone's path is so different. Every time I like talked to Stephanie when we first worked together, I was like, so you used to be a Denver Broncos cheerleader? Talk to me about that. (laughs) It's just so... You know, it's just, she has lived a life. (laughs) And I was like, that is just wild. I literally just applied to be an assistant editor and ended up staying at this place and cutting reality TV for damn near six years. Tell me a little bit about the pace of the show and cutting for time. Do you, you do have to cut for time, I'm assuming, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. The pace is fast. <laughs> a lot of people say they have to hit pause so they can laugh and not miss the next joke. <laughs> 
because they come at you, man. What was mm-hmm. the gel it like it is? Yeah. <laughs> ah, oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah, literally the whole sketch, they're just like talking faster and faster as it goes and you're in this like wind tunnel and it's, yeah. is that the one? I feel like that's the one you said was the Pokemon sketch because it's like full, it's like packed with <laughs> joke after joke after joke. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to get them all. That one has my favorite joke in it and it goes by so quickly that is it the pet owl? Nobody knows. Yes, it's the pet <laughs> owl. <laughs> it's the corniest, weirdest thing to say to someone. And I'm like, if you're not, you, you can't even understand it really because it just goes by so quickly. So I said to his pet owl, I said, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> and I like, think that's funny. And it, it's literally the first line in the sketch. So I fell out laughing and missed the next like <laughs> 20 seconds of the sketch. I'm still really interested in the process that you go through. Once you've got a sketch cut, what are some of the notes that you're getting and are they all doable and are they all things that you know that you should try or do not have time to try all those things? I've never gotten a request that I can't do something with. They may not love Mm -hmm. it, but like I can deliver something. I think there's something genuine in at least attempting the note. Like sometimes they just need to see it. And especially during the pandemic, because they're not in the room. Mm -hmm. So is their only way to interact with you? I feel like that's Mm -hmm. also where alts can be super handy or came in super handy. Trying this note, it's not necessarily going to be what people want, but maybe if I do something in the same vein of this note, it would work better we'll see if that can sell them sometimes often too like in tv the director's cut can be like ignored a little bit or they'll be like no let's see what you guys did but the time you have the director work is done you're just you've got four more days or whatever the amount of time is and like when you're refining there's always something you find and what's the situation with directors on this show we had two directors Brittany scott and Lacey duke and they did it in blocks Lacey was first Lacey duke directed her sketches and then she was off and then Brittany directed her sketches and then she it was split down the middle between the two of them and then we worked with them for the director's cut and then they yeah then they moved on to their next day we did their director notes basically between each block so after block one while they were prepping for block two we were working with Lacey notes and then after block two we're working on Brittany notes the sketches are arranged into episodes far after we've cut them so we don't even know like Mm -hmm. directors don't know what the episodes are going to look like because they know what their sketches are going to look like but that's why every episode says both of them were directing yeah we basically will do all of the notes get through all of that before the episodes are picked out and assembled Anything else you ladies want to talk about the show specifically? Something that I haven't touched on? We haven't talked about the bloopers, and I think they're really important. They're mostly just alt takes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a break. A lot of times it's stuff we had to cut from the sketch. And we're like, we don't want it to die. It's got to yeah. live somewhere because it's, it's that funny. <laughs> they're called bloopers. But really, they're most mostly just like all alternative takes, I think. I had one funny mistake, which was in Invisible Spy, because Robin, her, the, the gun went down her pants, like all the way down the back of her pants. <laughs> but it was so funny. Like, she's still like, she committed and she found it and brought it out. Yeah. All the courtroom kiki ones are just Issa breaking. If you watch the bloopers at the end of that episode, it is. It's just like Robin and Issa, like off of each other. I think as we're cutting the sketches, too, we're pulling this stuff after we've cut everything we sift through and make sure we have everything but i think it's an ongoing process ladies congratulations on a well-deserved emmy nomination and i wish you all the best of luck thank you, thank you so nice much. talking to you mm-hmm.
That's it for Out of the Cut this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, these interviews are available to read at blog.frame.io, where they're supported with great visual content, images, video clips, and more. Also, it's a great opportunity to check out the other expert content on the blog for filmmakers of all types. Also, check out my book, Art of the Cut, Conversations with Film and TV Editors for a Topic-Driven, Curated Experience. Thanks to my guests, Jessica Hernandez, Stephanie Filo, and Daisha Broadway. Thanks to Dylan Giovanetto for editing today's podcast using Adobe Audition. And thanks to Frame.io for their support of Art of the Cut and its pledge to keep this content coming your way. If this is a podcast that you got something out of, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Steve Hallfish, And so you don't miss all the great upcoming interviews on the Art of the Cut podcast, subscribe to this podcast. Have you ever reviewed a podcast? I'd love to hear your review of this podcast. And remember that if you have a friend in the film business or who aspires to be in the film business, make sure to tell them about the Art of the Cut podcast and blog.frame.io. 